Hey, welcome to Yes PHX Presents. We are here We have a very special guest. We actually have two, two special guests, but one especially special guest. Um, so first of all, uh, my name is Vincent Orlek. Um, I'm on the volunteer marketing team with Yes PHX. Um, you may see me popping around Facebook and in the Facebook group and things. We're running this uh, podcast here live from Phoenix Startup Week 2018, um, courtesy of 48 Startups. Zcast, our buddy Roz, is here on the ones and twos, mixing it up, wheels of steel. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm joined by uh, a, a special guest number one, Brian Fanzo, at iSocialFans, on the tweets and Twitters and all the socials, um, former Phoenix resident, now in the D.C., Virginia area. What's up, Brian? Uh, happy to be here. You know, I, everything I know, I learned from Vincent. So I'm here just to, uh, as his supporting cast. So everything, and I'm, it's very true. I am not the special guest. I'm special in many ways, not the special guest. <laughs> and we'll excuse all the Pittsburgh gear today. Okay. okay? Uh, we'll say, we'll pretend the P is for Phoenix. Um, <laughs> our special guest, Brian dropped in. He's actually speaking at digital summit Phoenix here this year. Um, it's t- taking place today and tomorrow, um, at the convention center downtown. Um, Brian popped in and we were like, Hey, let's have Brian come in and, and let's talk about our special, special guest, um, Neil Meta. Some of you probably know Neil. Um, Neil is one of the, the key people. If not, would you say you're the key person or is there a team of people behind EpiFinder? Team of people behind EpiFinder. Good answer. <laughs> um, but of course, of course, with, with EpiFinder, a lot of folks have definitely heard of EpiFinder, but for those that have not, give the, the boilerplate, give the quick rundown elevator pitch. What is EpiFinder? EpiFinder is a software platform where we empower patients to take ownership of their health and connect them with the doctors of their own choice or doctors within the network which we have. And on the doctor side, we enhance them with the clinical decision-making process as to identifying what type of conditions or what is going on with the patient. You know, most of us will go to a doctor's office and we'll spend six to 12 months trying to figure out what's going on with us. And after months or years of efforts, the doctor will say, this was what was wrong with you. We want to change that paradigm to six minutes while you are in the examination room with our proprietary software application, which is completely cloud-based. And with one tap, you can download it, install it, and start using it. Love that. So the problem you're solving is huge. <laughs> Humongous. Um, anytime you can, you can cut down that amount of time off of anything, never mind health-related things, is huge. And and that's why, you know, in my opinion, you're a very humble guy and and, and your team is very humble. But like I, I view you guys as as a s- absolute success story, even to this point that you guys are are, are in your, your company's um, existence. Thank you, Vincent. That's that's a big word. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate man. that. And yeah, thank you for having me. And I would like to say that the thing what we explained is a big mammoth goal, right? And as a startup, all the key advisors, investors will tell us you have to focus. So our focus is right now on epilepsy. So we are a neurospectrum differentiation company 
starting with epilepsy as a first product mm-hmm. and then scaling to other conditions, autism, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's as we move on. It's, it's amazing. I mean, that, that it's, and rightfully so that you guys are getting a lot of good, good press and be becoming more and more well-known locally and nationally because it's, it's a huge, a huge service. I think that's going to be even, even as the, as time goes on, it's, it's just going to get bigger and bigger for you guys. Yes, that, that will get bigger and bigger. And the goal uh, here, just for epilepsy alone, there are 65 million people world, worldwide who have epilepsy. 3.4 million Americans have epilepsy. Wow. One in 26 will have epilepsy at any given point in their lifetime. And it costs $12.5 billion per year in the healthcare system, the cost to manage, treat, and diagnose epilepsy. So how can we reduce that cost and improve patient outcomes? That's our key essence in the mission and the vision at EpiFinder. So to clarify, you know, I like to say I translate the geek speak and you, you made the nice statement. You said you're going to focus, which usually people think, you know, niching out, finding a small focus. You're going to focus on impacting 2.4 million people. <laughs> the idea, And then you're going to grow, right? Like, I mean, let, let's talk about that from a, you know, like, hey, we have a bigger vision, but you're, I mean, that's impressive. And I, um, you know, I'm a millennial, 36 years old. I upload, I have ADHD. I was diagnosed ADHD at 31. Um, I upload my sleep data from my Apple watch to my doctor. Now I had a sign 47 pages of documents to make that happen. But the reason was, was I, they wanted me to do a sleep journal. They wanted me to work on, you know, tracking my sleep patterns. And let's face it, I'm not very good at doing that. Hence the ADHD. But the idea that I started uploading my data, I quickly, they not only did they figure out the diagnosis, but making sure that the exact right medicine amount for me has impacted a lot of things. And even to the doctor that I worked with here in Phoenix, and then I, in Northern Virginia, I remember the first thing they said was, Wow, we're it's a we're much more enabled now to understand what medicine and what dose for you because you're willing to do this. And so the fact you're doing this and making this happen at a scale is beyond impressive. I, I will definitely make sure my network knows about this as well because I think you know healthcare. I've always said is kind of they were behind the times for a long while, but I believe they have the greatest you know, opportunity for innovation because they don't have to unlearn anything and they can almost kind of leapfrog things. So, I mean, it, that's a very interesting, um, you know, use case. And I love that you're kind of attacking it from, you know, epilepsy and then kind of growing from there. I can imagine the scale is going to be an interesting one as you move forward. Thank you. And um, that's a great testament. And I would say that healthcare is such a complex system that one size doesn't fit all. So you always have to innovate, uh, create a differentiating product. So there are thousands of apps out there, digital health apps that you can track, you can use it, you can play with it. But the goal is not just to build an app, but to create an engagement platform where they are incentivized and they are making sure that it's not the, the, that the doctor will, doctors are great, you know, uh, our platform doesn't replace anything what's out there in the system. We just improve that and enhance the interaction between a doctor and patient. But unless a patient takes care of themselves, even if they go to the best and the latest doctor available on the planet, and if they don't take the medication or if they eat the junk food or the fast food, nothing is going to help them. Right. So you have to help yourself first before you can expect a miracle to take place. And that's where we step in as technology, a point of care solution, which is accessible to you 24 seven, it's completely secured. So you have a peace of mind 
to use it, to adopt it, and to effectively engage with your healthcare professionals as well as with your caregivers. Uh, if you are in a hospice or if you are the parent of a child, if your child is using it, now you have access. Okay, what's going on with your child? So we take care of all those complex parameters into a simple solution. So we always say that our user interface is simple like an Apple, but our backend is complex like IBM. And I think there's nothing harder than simplification, right? And I think for all the startups, true, the startups that are listening to this, I think a lesson that you said right there is that you're 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 innovating without replacing. And you know, most people think of innovation; it's completely a replacement, something starting from scratch. But I think true innovation, especially today, is simplifying processes that already exist, and not only simplifying for the user, but simplifying for all ends of the spectrum. And then also figuring out once you simplify that, what other thing, what other benefits result, right? Even the idea that a doctor might be able to see more patients now, or someone's able now to better understand the diagnostic time shrinks. I think for startups, we, you know, I work with a lot of startups. I advise startups as well. And when I speak at events, simplification, you know, I, I put KISS in big letters and I say, keep it simple, stupid. Right. And I think simplification, especially in startups world is the hardest part, right? You know, 60 second pitch. You're like, well, I can do a 30 minute pitch. You're like, yeah, <laughs> can you do a 60 second? No and one wants so, a 30 minute pitch. <laughs> no, no, we don't. And I, and even at the event I was at last week, one of the things they were telling, you know, they, they had like the, what they called fireside dating. And it was a 20 second pitch that each startup got with each VC and they would just hit a buzzer. And if you got the green buzzer, you got to do another oh, wow. 20 seconds. And I tell you what, I got to kind of play in that field as the consumer. So they were pitching at me. Very interesting. And I love that you focus on simplification because ultimately that is where the true innovation is. It's what Uber did for taxi cabs. They didn't replace it. They simplified the process. And uh, I think we sometimes get overwhelmed by disruption. I think it's very exciting. And there's lots of lessons to be learned in that across the board. Yeah. Okay. So now we talked about Epifinder, right? Um, one last question with that. Is there... How how did how did it come about? Like what what led it to this point where you guys are at now? How did it start, and and how did the process take place to get to where you guys are right now? What's the story of Epifinder, for lack of a better term? Great question. And uh, do I have two minutes? Or five minutes? <laughs> uh, well, along the lines of what Brian was just talking about, we got a fireside. No, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, it all started with my co-founder and business partner. He was going to medical school in Chicago, got sick, got misdiagnosed, uh, got bedridden for two years and uh, took medical in his own hands. And whatever he learned in the school, he started putting together like a puzzle piece. And then when he got better, he found out that something, what he built was a translational biomedical informatics. It's too complex. Keeping it simple, that means it's a way to put all the clinical symptoms of an individual into a standardized structured fashion so that the doctor, on the other hand, can understand what's going on with that individual. So he moved to Arizona State University and he's doing his PhD in biomedical informatics. And he was looking for something to scale, right? Because when I was also pursuing my graduate education at Arizona State University, I saw my colleagues and my peers who will build something great or come up with amazing ideas which can impact millions of people's life but then they will complete the graduation put everything what they have done in an education thesis or a master's project graduate and get a job and whatever they learned or experienced or they wanted to contribute will be in a book and that was frustration to me that if I'm spending my next five years in healthcare, 
trying to fix the system and improve people's life, I don't want to just take a job. If I come up with something, I really want to see it go through fully. Like you try it. If it fails, that's fine. You can take a job. You can do something else. But if you build it, but if you don't try it, that's a complete failure from the beginning. So we both were working literally next cubicles to each other, trying to look into the same direction. So we met up, talked about it. And that was back in 2014. Uh, we applied for Seed Spot, which is a social incubator here in town. They helped us with the business, the message, the business 101, because neither me or him have a business background. So we started with that, partnered with Arizona State University for the best and the brightest talent. And then from two of us, it became five, it became 14, and now it's 29. That's amazing. And it's, you know what? It's so underrated. Let me just say, because ASU gets a bad rap. ASU gets a bad rap nationally. Here in town, we actually, over the, especially over the last few years, we know that it's won these awards for being the most, number one most innovative school, right? Above MIT, yeah. above Stanford, above Harvard. Like, it's, it's, it's nationally recognized in those circles, but it's still, people don't really necessarily recognize. Maybe it's starting to change a little bit. Um, so it's, it's number one, I love that you kept it local, right? And I think uh, the SPHX community loves that you guys are keeping it local and you went and you found talent at ASU and locally because I, that feels like it lacks sometimes. And people say, oh, well, we don't, we can't find the talent here. And, you know, people come in and say that if they're from outside and, or even people in, in, in the community and, I don't think it's true. I think there's a ton of talent here. And especially with ASU, if we can keep the students here, there was, I don't know if memory's seen that, there was a post on social recently on the bus. That's right? correct. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. So Roz and Brian, I don't know, you probably haven't seen this, but on the buses, there were these, there's these raps ads for ASU. And at one point when they first came out with the campaign, the big marketing campaign, they were promoting the number one innovative school in the country. And at the top of the bus, this is ASU's campaign saying, we're, yeah, we're innovative. Um, come here to, to eventually get a job in Silicon Valley. <laughs> and, and I believe they changed it. Yeah. I believe they changed it. Someone pointed it out and it was like, no, that's not what you should be doing. You should be promoting here. And they're down with that. I know they are because they do all kinds of stuff for the community. The message was that we are the top 10 schools in the nation to get a Silicon Valley job. Right. And so that was a complete disconnect. Yep. When you are talking about that you are the number one innovation school, you should say that you are the number one school in the state to create employment and have an impact. Absolutely. Um, now you, right? Let's, let's talk about you a little bit. I, are you okay with that? Sure. Okay. Um, how did you get into this? How did you get into into the whole field that you ended up at ASU doing? And then in general, like what 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 interests you? Were you an entrepreneur as a kid? Like were you, were you business minded? Were you were you software minded? Were you web dev? Like what what was you what were you like as a kid? Let's start there. That's funny. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm originally from India immigrated to United States in 2011 um, uh, with uh, coming here for master's 
uh, of science in biomedical informatics at the Arizona State University and before that indian culture is focused towards education so throughout my middle school high school everywhere i was how can i be number 1 in the school in the class uh, in the state so the entire childhood um when i was a teen everything was focused on education and how to be the best at it so i did play some sports you know football soccer different kind of on the side but never made it a high priority education was at a prime importance and then when i graduated i started doing my undergrad in bioinformatics it's a subject called where you understand the fundamental biological aspects mainly in genes and proteins and identify how that affects the healthcare how that affects the personalized medicine and when while i was doing that i got an opportunity to do an summer internship in nottingham in uk so that was my first time having an international exposure i went there for two months and we sequenced a yeast which is in bread and we identified how it is connected and that really gave me a curiosity to understand and identify how can it be done for homo sapiens that means humans us and then at that time i decided rather than graduating and getting a job i want to pursue higher education again that emphasis so my goal when i came here was to do my masters my phd become a faculty at asu and life is all good <laughs> but it changed of course, of course. <laughs> when i came here i was studying i was going to school like any other uh, student and i was pursuing the education advancing the science understanding more about healthcare and then as i came from another country we always look up to us mayo clinic <clears throat> and we saw that this is the latest and the best so one of our faculty gave us uh, an, an assignment telling that go to mayo clinic and find if they have any challenges and i'm like there is no way that they have any problem they have all figured it out you know <laughs> so i said this is the toughest assignment i've ever got in my life we went there we started communicating with the doctors and the nurses and of course they have everything the latest and the best they spend a lot of investment dollars in improving patient outcomes but we still found some challenges and that really took me wow what you think might not be the truth right and there is still room for innovation disruption and so i started looking for how i can do it and i realized that whatever you do it in academia stays in academia it takes 17 years before something comes out into the market and only 14% of those innovation really connects with us especially in medicine like drugs or any latest healthcare treatment solutions and i was like academia is not the way let me look something else and at that time thanks to michael crow they started a seven week program at skysong focusing on prac academic education practical plus academic and learning more about business marketing and everything right from ground up and i emailed him and saying I'm a graduate student I have no business experience can I attend and he said yeah of course it's free and I'm like 
oh, by the way, there will be food as well. So I'm like, okay, fine. As, as a student, you know, free food is all the Free fun. food. It doesn't, hey, look, as a student or whatever, it's free food. So I went there and it completely opened up my mind. And I met really cool people, some of the great mentors who are really here at Phoenix Startup Week. And I have built that relationship over the past six to seven years. And that changed my gear to see how I can translate any academic projects to a business application and commercialize it. That's my journey. Love that. I, that's, yeah, that, that is, um, I don't think that that type of a, of a, of a like personal story gets told enough by, for the community, by the folks like you that are like, you're doing it. You're doing this daily. You're in this daily. You're in the weeds. Um, now, I mean, I'll admit, I see you now like this week. I love it because you're out here, man. You're on social. You're tweeting. You're retweeting. You're, you're connecting with people. And is that is that something you, we're on Instagram Live right now? You said it's, your, it's the first Instagram Live yes, that we've done good. on your you've done on your channel. Amazing. We're honored to be part of that. Um, is is there maybe is there like a maybe a new a new um, focus? I guess on. Are you trying to get out there more and get things out there more, more than you have in the past? Or is that just something you've been doing all the time? Great question. So as a startup founder, you always have to balance between focusing on your business and being out and about. So when I was in the weeds of learning more about business entrepreneurship, I used to go to every networking event possible. Sure. Five years ago in Phoenix, you will have one event, maybe two events a week, right? So you can manage. But now there are <laughs> 20 <laughs> events yeah. every week. So there it's is cool. no way you can. So I always tell myself, the company which will create cloning, that you can clone your body, <laughs> will be the next trillion dollar company. Because everyone wants to clone themselves and be there everywhere so yeah. that they can learn, experience, and network. So that be you guys? <laughs> you never know. Maybe, hey, maybe, maybe. So for the past... When I, when I started back in 2014, I was out and about connecting, learning, and experiencing, getting guidance, getting feedback. 2015 and 2016 was a hibernation mode where I was just with my team at the office and will still attend events where I have to uh, speak or where I was invited as a guest. And 2017 and 2018 is the year where I'm really getting out in the community because a lot of entrepreneurs needs to know that if they graduate from the university, they can still stay here. They don't have to go to California, Boston, Chicago. You can build a business here. Healthcare market especially is the third largest market here in Arizona. So if you cannot get one customer here, forget about with an excuse that I'll go to California and I'll get my first customer. So I'm just creating that wave of innovation and Positioning myself that I'm learning and as well as I'm sharing with other fellow entrepreneurs. So you have to balance. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I think that balance is probably, uh, you know, it's, it's missing with, with some folks. I mean, I, it's, look, it's great. We have all these events. You know, being part of the, the YesPHX community is awesome. I, I, in my opinion, like I, I, I can't get to everything. But I get to a good number of things, and but you do have to you have to kind of pick and choose like what where can you spend your time, um, and it's not always about 
where am I going to make the most contacts or or network the best? Or it's you know go. It's okay to go give of yourself and go volunteer. You know, like Startup Week. I know they're if you're hearing this and it's still Startup Week, they're still looking for volunteers to come help. Um, but you know, th- there's a lot of those opportunities here locally. And and when we're talking about YesPHX, it's not Yes Phoenix. Like it's not just Phoenix. It's that's the whole reason why really we say even YesPHX is it's the valley. It's the valley. So Westside, Glendale, Surprise, Tempe, like Chandler, do it. You know, North Scottsdale. It, there's there's events all over the place. Um, and and but that's smart on your on your part. You know, it sounded like you did have some sort of a a plan where you're like, or it, it ended up being that way where you're yep, we're, we're heads down, we're heads down for these couple of years here, and then okay, now we're gonna start inching out a little bit, pick our spots get out there and I, the only reason i'm saying that is because it does feel like recently there's been a little bit more publicity about the company and about what you guys are doing which is super smart you know that's it's great to hear and we need more of those stories thank you and at the same time when i commit to an event and if i'm not speaking or if i'm just going to attend and at the same time my team member needs me mm-hmm. my team comes first then comes the community and then comes the the world at large, right? Right. So, yes, PHX uh, Startup Week is my family, and so I'm always like on our shared room with our team, making sure that they know what they are doing. I'm answering the questions while I'm on the go, because you really have to service your team first before you can go global or go national. So that's always my key and the motto. But I'm very fortunate to have a great team. I'm just a face. There are 28 people as of now who are behind this. Wow. And when we are hiring people, sometimes some of our team members, their sister or their cousin or their dad had epilepsy. And so they don't ask how much are we paying them or where they can see themselves in five years. They're like, guys, this is awesome. I just want to work here. Can I just come and sit? Can I just being an intern, you know, I, yeah. I don't have qualifications, but I've seen that in my own family and I know how challenging it can be. So we have students from UFA, GCU, who are not even able to come to our office, but they work remotely because they are so passionate about what we are bringing to the market and what we have right now. You know, I think that prioritization is probably one of the most underrated skills in a startup, right? I think not only for a founder, but it's prioritizing what matters to you. It's also that idea of, you know, knowing when to give, knowing when to, um, you know, what part of the priority, you know, you're prioritizing networking, getting your name out there, but your true priority is your team, right? I think that is, um, you know, a lesson for everybody. I think there's also an element of, you know, you kind of talked about it without defining it, of saying like, you had an idea of what success was and everything you're doing, right? And that's to, to Vincent's point, I think there's an element of, if you're going to a networking event, understand what your goal is for going there, making sure that you kind of make that happen. And I also love, you know, when you're telling your story, part of the story that I really enjoyed um, from like my point of view, um, as we're taking Snapchat and video here uh, backstage, <laughs> um, one of the things I really enjoyed was you, you said, you know, you reached out and asked them and said, hey, I don't have experience, but I want to be a part of that. And you said, you took the initiative or you had a, you had a teacher that said, we want you to go to the clinic. And I think, wow. I mean, to me, that's like, 
thank goodness there's teachers doing that, pushing you into that environment. And, you know, if you want to be successful and especially in this field, you take the initiative on yourself, right? And you, you said that without being the, you know, I like to look the other side and say, wow, each one of those are impressive. So when people say you're an overnight success or where did this person come from? It's five years ago when you decided to reach out or a professor that got you kickstarted, then you realized, America is just really good at talking about ourselves. We don't know everything. More than likely, we're behind a lot of people. We just are really good at pounding our chests and saying things. And the idea that you were able to get out there and get involved, the way that you were motivated to do it. You know, it's a combination, I think, of, you know, being in a culture that is very learning, education focused, but also, you know, going and get it. Lots of people can get a PhD. Lots of people can, you know, have these kind of things. But it's the idea of truly going out there and getting it. I think there's lots of lessons, you know, any startup founder that's out there today can take from your stance and also kind of knowing that, you know, there's lots of companies that talk about what they what they will create. There's not as many companies talking about what they are creating, right? And that's what you're doing right now. And I think that's why it relates with Vincent. I know Vincent really well. And Vincent loves to talk about those that are doing, those that are not those that are talking about doing. And I think that's a really sticky area in startup culture. So I give you a lot of credit. I think there's a lot of those underlying things that even probably yourself, you, you're, you're in the grind and it's, you know, that it's those initiatives that is your success. And it's, uh, it's fun for me to hear because I, I think they're the lessons that we can all learn from that, you know, is something that, you know, speaks across doesn't matter what your industry is, doesn't matter what your app is or your startup, you know, taking the initiative, owning it yourself and being willing to prioritize. So I, I, I love that story. And it's very interesting because uh, you never know where those stories come from. But I would say almost all the successful stories have that element kind of layered in. Thank you. And I would like to add one one more thing uh, to this is that, you know, it's not always about your team or your company. You also have to give back. So I have a list of all the people who have helped me. At any time, they email me or they call me that they want a favor or they want an introduction. I make sure that I create time and do that. So, for example, here at Phoenix Startup Week, Chris from Galvanize reached out to me about seven days before the talk and said, hey, we need a speaker for artificial intelligence. Can you do that? And we do a lot of artificial intelligence on the back end at EpiFinder and how we can improve the diagnostics for the patient, especially focusing on personalized medicine. So I said yes, because I wanted our Phoenix Startup Week community to grow and to share the message that we have great talent, we have great speakers. And then Ryan from Breadguest is doing the Mentor Connect, right? helping young entrepreneurs to connect with the right experienced people who have been there and done that. And that two cents of suggestion or the guidance or, oh, go talk to these people, you know, that goes a long way. So I was like, I can carve out some time during the Phoenix start of week, even despite all the things which is going on and give back and provide an unbiased, unfiltered guidance to someone who is having the challenges, which I had before. And that that's how I can forward this community. And keep it going. And I'd like to add to that. You know, I think that I love that because the reason I'm here is because of Vincent. And and uh, I I kind of was joking at the beginning where I learned everything from Vincent. But I'm I speak around the world, fifty some events a year. I get to work with startups, all focused on kind of digital storytelling. And this guy Vincent, when we worked together uh, back in 2012, kind of took me you know, kicking and screaming to a social media event. I had no interest in being at this event. Um, Vincent wanted me to go. He even convinced 
our boss at the time um, to go to this event. And I went to that event. I would say it's, you know, it's all history from there. And I think kind of things started. But I think, you know, Vincent, you're, to your point, you know, you started this off. You're a community volunteer, right? You're volunteering your yeah. time here. And I think you give back, um, you know, tenfold. And I think a lot of times, you know, um, one of the things that I love doing is telling your story, telling people's story that um, oftentimes are in the grind, are willing to always give. And I think if, when you look at Startup Week, like if you're not here and you're listening to this, you know, I, I said this as we walked around, like I wish in 2012, I preached community. I talked about online community, but I did not get involved in my local community in the startup community, especially. Uh, it took many years and I kind of regret that ultimately because I feel like I could have given back, you know, at a greater um, piece. But, you know, you said you're looking for volunteers. What what inspires you, Vincent? I'm going to flip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the microphone for a second because <laughs> I, I host two of my own podcasts. So it's hard for yes, me not to yes, direct yes, this, yes. but I would love to hear you know from your side because partially what you're doing, you're giving back. And I think I love this idea of giving back to a community that is given to you. Right. And, and and I, that's why for me, this is an easy prioritization. When Vincent, you said, hey, come to you know, Startup Phoenix Week while you're in town. My family's here. I'm speaking. Um, but I will immediately prioritize that because you've given to me tenfold. But what inspires you to do it? Because I think hearing that will inspire someone to volunteer even more so than kind of <laughs> making the call to action. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just personally, I, I get a lot out of seeing like things like this happen. You know, where Brian showed up a couple hours ago. I met him next door at Galvanize. We walked around a little bit. He hasn't been back since Galvanize opened, right? He hasn't been to ever start startup week ever before. He had never met our our guy Roz here. Um, a bunch of people here like that I know really well that I think he would get along with. And and you. And we're doing this we're doing this show. So I was like, it makes sense. Like, let's have people connect. Let's meet. Like it all, all the good things that have come, whether it's to me or to my friends, like it's come because of this type of interaction and engagement and, and connections. I, I can't tell you, like, and I try to tell people, because we're in the marketing field, me, me and Brian are heavily into like marketing, not, not just tech, but like marketing in general, right? Social media marketing. And for as, as social media as everything is, um, people connect online, they connect through Twitter, they connect through Facebook and Snapchat and everything. And we try to do all that. The only time we most most of us ever really connect connect is at like an event, like a, a conference, right? And there's one in particular that everybody goes to in a big way in the field, but that's that's a big reason why they go is because of the the connection that happens. It's not even necessarily the the education side, um, because a lot of people that go could be the ones teaching. <laughs> they go because their friends are there. You know, that's why I would go. Um, but, but it's everything, everything that's come good to me, um, in, in my professional life to this point has been because of these connections that I've been lucky enough to make with people, um, across the board. I mean, even growing up, like not, it's not just limited to Phoenix, wherever you are, I would highly recommend getting out into any sort of these events. Any, if you're in marketing and you're looking at startup week and you're like, I'm not into startups, I, you you should expose yourself to different things. You should totally spread your wings and, and get outside your little box, your little cozy box of dealing with other marketers or other digital, whatever it is. Go to Startup Week is full of all kinds of people, you know, and, and I'm not trying to make it a commercial for Startup Week, but but just in the couple of years that I've I've been at it, I mean, now I, I can't tell you, like now this year I come and I'm running into all the people that I know all the time, I see all the time where it's like, my friends and then there's new people there's new like neil and i don't connect probably enough 
I see you at a couple of events, but now like, I mean, we're, we're a little tighter here because we're doing the show, right? Um, now, you know, Brian, Roz, we all know each other and, and stuff can happen from that. Um, and the, what I'll, what I'll say to the, to that end, to the, the end of that is my current business partner, um, Ronnie with Attic Salt, I met at startup week last year. He came to my panel session and we talked after that. We were going to collaborate on trading some services. He had an agency that did branding. We did social media marketing. That part didn't happen, but we were always like, it was always amicable and friendly. And then it just worked out where now he and I are business partners with his company. So like that's, I don't know, that's a success story to me. For me personally, it is, but uh. <laughs> no, I think that is. I think that's the underlying. You know, marketing is about providing people helpful information at the right time. Yep. And how the hell do you know what the right information or what people need if you're not willing to be part of their community offline? You know, and like, right. And I think that's your underlying element here is right. Like, you didn't come here looking for a business partner. You didn't come here even really to talk social media marketing, but ultimately it allowed you to find a business partner to connect. And I think this is where we, we kind of look at things like giving back. How do you become part of a community? And you know, I I, I say this all the time. I have three daughters. I know you have you have the kids as well. You know, I think one of the things like I think we're living in the greatest time in the world. I think we're able to connect leveraging digital and social media. And the, my tagline is always it will not replace a handshake. It gives you the opportunity to have more handshakes. But if you're not willing to go make those handshakes offline, you're not you're wasting your time. Right. right? And I think that is the underlying element here because you're you know giving back to the community and also being part of the community. You know, how, who do you how do you not know one of the people you connect with isn't the person that makes you take that next step? Right. And I think that's to me, that's why I love startup weeks. Like I absolutely love, you know, I was at startup grind last week. I'm here in Phoenix this week. I'm going to Newcastle startup week um, overseas in the, in the UK. I just signed in July. I'm doing a startup week in Denver. And a lot of that for me is they're like, wait, are they asking for marketing? I'm like, no, but I'm, no. I'm, I'm trying to help them understand change. And, and ultimately for me, I like helping great stories, great companies um, tell their story and like amplify it to my community. Cause ultimately social media for me, the reason I build my community is that you know, I want to allow them to know the great stories, know the people that are doing great things. And that's where the magic happens. Right. And it sounds, I would say that sounds corny from a social media person, but you know, as much as I love social, you know, if you're not willing to be a part of these type of communities, it is really hard to kind of grow and, and kind of connect. And I think that's where the business magic happens across the board. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and I can't stress it enough to, to go, go try other things and whether you're in social media or whatever you're in, like go to a different type of conference, <laughs> like Neil, you're in sort of the health medical field, right? Go to a digital marketing conference. Well, maybe not a digital marketing conference, but uh, <laughs> no, go just go to a different type of conference, you know, and and get exposed and 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 see what else is out there and talk to these other people, and you're gonna find that you connect on a lot of levels with people in different industries. Um, I think that's that's just a a huge a huge piece for people that they that a lot of people do miss. I can give an example on this that uh, yesterday after the happy hour at Solera Health, uh, which which just they did an open house. Right. On MedTech Day. On MedTech, MedTech Day. Day. And we can get back to the MedTech yep. Day. But after that, one of my advisors told me that there is an association of university technology managers. They have a networking reception from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. By the way, it is 35 miles away from downtown Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> and they only they have come to Phoenix after 18 years so they have a conference going on just like other conferences uh, in parallel to Phoenix Startup Week and he said that I am already registered it's invite only but I can get you in as my guest tell me in the next 10 minutes 
And my answer was yes. Even though I was like exhausted after the long day at start of week, I did my presentation. I had a couple of speaking engagements. I'm like, this is an association where their entire focus is taking technology or the academic patents or the intellectual property and seeing how they can successfully commercialize it and really getting in the hands of the people who needs it and who wants to use it. Right. And there is no way I can say no to that. I went with an intention just to say hello because it's a completely different industry. There is nothing which is common between what we do, what they do. It's not entrepreneurship. So wait, before you keep going, because 35 miles away, you have 10 minutes to tell to give your answer. How many seconds did it take you to say yes? Two seconds. Two seconds, right? Okay, so, I mean, it's a given, right? And And your intention was just to even go drive 35 miles to show your face, say hello, maybe leave after a few minutes. Yeah. That was the intention you went with and what happened? So I went there and uh, the the first person I met, she's the director of Autumn, A-U-T-M Foundation. And she didn't ask me, hey, you don't have a conference badge or I haven't seen you around. She's like, hello. And I just said hello and I was authentic that I just got to know about 10 minutes ago and this is how I'm I'm here. I'm not invited, but I want to be here. And she just started laughing and giggling. And within 15 minutes, we started talking about yoga, meditation, which is what I do. And along the lines, she told me, you should connect with this gentleman. She works for the one of the leading pharmaceutical companies where their entire focus is on digitization of technologies and how they can improve the pharmaceutical drugs which are coming out in the market. And so I talked to him for about 45 minutes and later he said, let's grab coffee. And it was 11.15 by then and it was supposed to be over, you know, it was 9 to 11 p.m. Right. Guess what? 25 people more showed up when it was supposed to get over. <laughs> and we were there until midnight. And I was like, I need to call it a night because I have finished start of week next year. So it's, again, it's about finding that right balance. I got a great connection without any expectation. And if it pans out, it's great. If it doesn't, it was an experience. Right. So Reed Hoffman, who sold LinkedIn for $26.2 billion, he always said, it's not about how much cash you have in the bank. It's not about your technology. It's about who you know. Your network is your net worth. And that's a simple philosophy I follow in my life to have genuine, authentic connection. By the way, I don't accept LinkedIn requests from the people I don't know because there is a spam going on. Right, so right, right. That's, that's not networking. Right. That's just... So should I not send that in the LinkedIn request now? Or not, now we know each other, now, now we're good? What I meant by that was that genuinely connect with people first and then you can take it to the next level. And again, we all are six degrees of separation. So you just really have to count your eggs before the chicken. I, that is a great way to end it. Uh, we we have to run, but this this is like this was really good. This was, I I enjoyed hearing all of this. Both of you guys, thank you so much for hopping on. Yes, PHX presents with us, Neil. We will see you around. How can we find you and Epifinder? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Neil Meta fourteen. Neil oh. with two E's. Yes, okay. two E's. And 
also epifinder e-p-i-f-i-n-d-e-r on twitter and from there we can connect further and shout out to Raz Zcast Phoenix Startup Week and thank you Vincent for having us this afternoon absolutely and Mr. iSocial fans how can people find you yeah, I social fans everywhere and anywhere. You know, I'm consistency matters. It's hard to stand out. Um, and then I host a podcast called FOMO Fans. So um, rather than you having FOMO, I try to cure your FOMO each week, um, sharing insights from entrepreneurship, uh, marketing, social media. Um, so yeah, I'm 60 some episodes into that. And so yeah, check it out. Uh, all the podcasting apps right where you're hearing this one. Yep. Uh, FOMO Fans with a Z or a Z at the end. But yeah, thanks for having me. I love it. I'm going to be uh, amplifying and supporting Epifinder, um, you know, moving forward. So Vincent, once again, connects and, you know, helps uh, tell good stories. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Um, and for anyone else listening, it's still Startup Week here. we got another couple of days if you're hearing this before up until the 23rd of February. Um, lots of stuff going on. And Street Pitch. We, we, we haven't forgotten about Street Pitch. That was Pitch with a P, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was. Um, that The other one is for a different show. Um, street Pitch is Friday night. Friday night. So I if you don't come to Startup Week at all, try to get the Street Pitch because that is like if you're into Shark Tank, it's like a very similar style thing. Ten companies go up and do their thing and there's actual cash being given out. Last year it was 50 grand. I don't know if it's 50 grand again this year. It is. Okay, Neil. Um, so $50,000 again. It's it's so it's fun. It's fun to watch. So, um, and great for the community. So that's it. That's that's all we got for ESPHX presents. Thanks for for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next one.